Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Turn with me to ch- uh, Matthew chapter 5. I was about to say chapter 5. I was hoping you knew that we were already in Matthew um, because we are going through uh, Jesus' most famous message, his most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. We're in a series called The Message from the Mountain, and today we are going to be landing over in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 17 through 20 today. I'm going to jump in here. Jesus is talking, and this is what he says. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now we're talking about this message from the mountain. And the thing that we need to remember is this is, this is Jesus showing up and he's basically saying, I'm establishing a brand new kingdom. Like they live in a kingdom of Israel with the Jews who has been oppressed by a Roman government who's come in, which is another kingdom. What Jesus is saying, he's saying, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, and I'm going to establish a brand new kingdom. But what we have learned is that his kingdom is going to be completely upside down from any other kingdom. That Jesus' kingdom is completely backwards from the way we think a kingdom should be run. Um, if you remember in Mark, or was it Matthew, excuse me, um, I remember from Mark 115. It's, 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 when I went to Bible school, week one of Bible school was Mark 115, that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Right? That's Jesus' message, Mark 115. I think it's in, in Matthew 417. There it is, Matthew 417, I'm guessing. It's the kingdom of heaven has come near. That's Jesus' message. And he's saying the kingdom of heaven has come near, and he's basically saying, like, and, and, and I'm the king. And we know that he is the king of this new kingdom. And people are getting fired up. Because not only is he declaring a new kingdom, but he's healing the sick, he's raising the dead, all this crazy stuff is going on, and a crowd has now drawn to this new king. And so this message from the mountain is his inaugural address. Have you, have you seen how some people get so excited about politics? No one in here, right? Right? But you've seen it on Facebook. Other people who get really fired up about presidential elections and stuff, and they really, really, really want their guy to win, or gal, or whoever, right? They really, really want their person to win because if my person become, can become president, it's going to change everything. And how many of you know that's just completely true, right? wrong right we've had both sides over and over back and forth but people get really worked up about that now magnify that and you might get a sense of the way these people felt when jesus comes on the scene 
Like these people are revved up that this guy is declaring a brand new kingdom. And as we've learned over the last couple of weeks, as he starts talking about his kingdom, he's starting to say that his kingdom is completely upside down from other kingdoms, that his kingship is different. And here's what's crazy about Jesus' kingdom, right? Jesus' kingdom is different because if we were going to establish a kingdom, and I've thought about this before, what if all the quote-unquote good people just all decided we're all going to move into one area and we kick out all the bad people and we have our own little society? Uh, is that, yeah, that we call it a cult, don't we? <laughs> right? That would be called a cult. And I'm sure there's some people in this crowd who are thinking the same thing, like, man, if we could just kick out the Romans, if we could just get rid of them, but that's not Jesus' deal. We learned about this last week. What's Jesus' deal? Jesus' deal is we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And here's the thing about salt. You salt it, when you eat something with salt, you don't like squish it into one area of the meal. Say, okay, here's the little salt area. And this is, that'd be disgusting, right? I'm gonna salt my steak and you just pile it up in one little pile right there. I, I, it troubles me a little bit sometimes. I, I, I understand when people say, man, I got a new job and I'm so grateful everyone I work with is Christian. And I get that. I can understand that because sometimes it can be hard working in an environment with a bunch of people who don't follow Christ. But also, that might be just piling up all the salt in the one place. I'm not saying it's wrong. You're like, crap, I got to quit my job now. No, you don't. You know, everyone there is Christian. Oh, um, or maybe the Lord's speaking to you. I I'm not the voice of the Lord for you. You've got to seek the Lord yourself. The same thing with, with light. Like light illuminates the darkness. Like salt permeates everything. Light illuminates everything. It doesn't just hone in to one place. If, if I were to light a candle in this room or we flip on these lights, it, it illuminates the room. And so this is Jesus, like this is his kingdom. His kingdom isn't like we're going to create our own little society. It's you're going to go back to the places that you've been. And that's what we see even the disciples do after Jesus rises from the dead. And they're like, what, what do we do now? He's not around. They're like, let's go fishing, I guess. They just go back to what they knew because they're salt, they're light. And, that, and, and that's us. Imagine this morning, I've heard it put this way before, like imagine... Right, so here in the United States, we drive on the right side of the road, which is also the right side of the road. There's a few countries, and I, I've been to, I, when I was in high school, I got a chance to run in Australia. And while we were there, we, we hopped in a cab to go watch a movie. And it was so weird, I got to ride up front, and I was riding where the driver's seat should have been. And there was nothing there. And it felt so weird driving around like, and not only that, instead of driving on the right side of the road, they were all driving on the, well, you said left, I say wrong side of the road. It felt really, really weird, right? Um, one time when I went with my dad to, to England, we had a rule that you were allowed to scream anytime you wanted because you might be making a funky turn and, and you're doing an American thing. Like, ah, what, what's going on? You're driving on the wrong side of the road again, man. Um, but that's backwards, right? It's backwards from what we know, correct? Imagine this morning, we all made a pact together, like, man, all of us this morning when we leave here, we're going to drive on the wrong side of the road, on the left. We're going to do it backwards. How many know what's going to happen? 
crazy things. Crazy things. Now, get this. We're not making a new country where we all just, like, drive. Like, listen, this area right here, we're all going to drive on the left side. We're not doing that. We're not making a zone. What we're doing is we're just going out. Now, please don't do this. Any teenage drivers in the room, drive on the right. Um, but pastor said, no, no, you missed the point drastically. Um, but how many know that would cause an impact, some collisions? Things would happen. Think people would start to talk about things because everything is upside down and backwards. And this is Jesus as he's talking about the kingdom of God. The things he's saying is, is completely backwards, and we're not going to establish a new group. It's not about this church building. That's why over and over again I try to tell us this foreigner house of prayer. It's not about forerunner house of prayer. It's about us leaving these four walls and being light and salt as we go out. This is the kingdom of God. And this is different. This is different. Um, the law and the Torah. In this passage, Jesus says, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Everyone say the law. Now, the law is probably not what you're thinking about. I don't mean drive on the right side of the road and don't speed. That's not the law. The law, or Torah, or Torah, if you want to say it, um, the law is like the first five books of the Bible right there. And it has a lot of rules, like lots. And what this was, it was a covenant. It was a covenant. And you can see it's beginning in about Exodus 19 and moving on. Like what happens is God's people were slaves in Egypt, and God set them free. We sang about it this morning. They crossed on dry ground through the Red Sea. Remember that story from the Bible? And when they get out in the desert, God says, okay, I want you to be my people. But we need to make a covenant. Do you guys know what a covenant is? If you don't know, that's, that's a promise that can't be broken. Like, we're going to make a promise that neither one of us is supposed to make. I love it. In Arkansas, we actually have a marriage license called a covenant marriage license, which just makes it harder for you to break that marriage. Um, I, I won't hardly do a wedding without a covenant marriage license. There's regular and there's covenant, right? It just means it can't be broken. It's a, it's a promise made to each other. And so God says, I want you to be my chosen people. And they say, yes, we'll be your chosen people. He's like, all right, let's make a covenant. And I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna provide blessings for you and I'm gonna lead you and I'm gonna guide you. And I'm gonna be your God and you'll be my people. And this is what I want you to do in return. And they're like, God will do whatever you ask. And he gives them, he starts with the Ten Commandments. How many of you have ever heard of the Ten Commandments? That's part of this covenant. Ten Commandments. And they're pretty simple, right? And then if you read on, there's about 603 more. Right? So there's like 613 laws, if you will. And some of them are weird. Some of them are strange, like, like in the Ten Commandments, it says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Remember the seventh day and keep it holy, right? And that goes further to like, okay, well, then we shouldn't work on the Sabbath. And, and Jewish people to this day take these laws very seriously, right? They have kosher food, food they're allowed to eat and not allowed to eat. They're not allowed to eat pig, right? Because that's one of the laws in here. And some of you are like, wait, that's in the Bible? Yes, it's in the Bible not to eat pig, and yet, some of you probably had some this morning. And you're like, oh no, I definitely have to go to the altar today. You might have to, but it's not for eating pig. Wait till we get to the end of the sermon. Um, 
they have all these rules and laws. In fact, it's crazy because this whole of like, like let's take honor the Sabbath. These, these laws kind of get out of hand after a while. Like honor the Sabbath. And, and they're like, well, I don't need to do any work on the seventh day. Okay, what does that mean? And well, it means to not carry things around. Well, not carry things around where? Um, don't carry things around outside your home because sometimes you need to carry things around in your house, right? Even on the seventh day. And they're like, okay, but what if I need to take something out in the yard? Okay, you can, your house and your yard. Okay, what about, what about if my mom lives across the pasture and I need to take something to her? Okay, well, okay, your, like your area of property, like your domestic area. You can, so you, if I need to carry some food to my mom across the pasture, I can do that. That's not work. Okay, well, what, my domestic area, like what if I live, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and so they actually like made a rule now that domestic areas you can carry things and if you're a jew today today you're not allowed to carry things outside your domestic area not even your keys and that poses a problem you can't even push a stroller down the street right or carry your kid um, because of these jewish laws so actually like in new york city in manhattan they actually have this piece of fishing line that runs around the outside of manhattan and that designates it a domestic area so that they can carry stuff and go places on the seventh day. See how these laws can get really ridiculous after a while, right? They just get crazy after a while. What is the point? Is that what God intended? Is that what God wanted for us? It says this in Romans chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. It says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Here's what it was. Jesus said, okay, or God said to the people when they came out of Egypt, these former slaves, he said, let's make a promise with each other. I'll be your God and bless you, but you have to do all these things. And they said, okay. Do you think they kept all those rules? Of course they didn't. They broke all the rules, didn't they? Like over and over again. And when they break the rules, God would be like, okay, there goes my protection. And then enemies would come in and take them over and drag them off into slavery and things again. And then God would hear the cries and bring them back and say, okay, let's try this again. Here are the laws. And they go, okay, we're going to keep the laws this time. We've got it. We can do this. We can keep all these rules. And guess what they would do? They'd break the rules again. And like, oh, I just love bacon so much. Um, it wasn't stuff like that. Usually it was like worshiping other gods and things like that, right? And God was like, I've had it. And then here would come another army to take over again. And this is the way it worked over and over because it was a covenant. Say covenant, right? And they would break their end of the covenant over and over again. And what Romans tells us, the whole purpose of the law was to let you know that you will always break the law. To make you aware that you will, the word sin actually means to miss the mark. That's the word sin means. You're going to miss the mark. Like, I have a hard time keeping the first 10, much less the next 603. So what's this passage where Jesus is saying, don't think that I have come to abolish the law. That's scary to me. That's scary to me. Look, though, in Jeremiah chapter 31. Will you flip over there with me? This is one of those I want you to turn to. In Jeremiah chapter 31 
Jeremiah chapter 31. We're going to go to verse 31. Now, this is one of the prophets. Remember, Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law or the prophets. The law would be those first five books of your Bible, and then the prophets would be all these others that we have, like Jeremiah here. And this is what Jeremiah says in chapter 31 of verse 31, chapter 31. He says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Say new covenant. Say it again. New covenant. That's a new promise. Right? With the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So he's saying it's not going to be like that one that Moses had, the Ten Commandment one, you know? That one? It's not going to be like that one. It's going to be different. My covenant that they broke. Yeah, and then they broke again, and then they broke again, and then they broke again. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord. And, and I love this because he's saying, look, it was more than just a contract. It was more than just, like, I was their husband. Like, I was their protector. I, I loved them. And yet they broke the covenant. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Here it is. Are you ready? I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. He said, I'm going to make a new covenant, a new promise. And it doesn't have to do with keeping these rules. What he's going to do is he's going to take the law and he's going to write it on your heart. Jesus, you see, in his day, there were a lot of religious leaders that challenged him. They're called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And kind of their job was to make sure people were following the law. Making sure everyone was keeping all of the rules. And what's crazy, if you see at the end of this passage, he says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. Like, you have to be more righteous than the most righteous people you know. And Jesus liked to mess with these religious people. If you look over in Matthew chapter 9, we won't turn there for the sake of time, but in Matthew chapter 9, we see Jesus, he's like, he's calling people to follow him. Like, he's walking by this tax collector's booth. And if you know anything, um, how many have seen The Chosen? Okay, here's the deal. Everyone look right here. It's an app you can download on your phone. It's very well done. It's about the life of Jesus. It's called The Chosen. I weep when I watch every episode. I just weep. Just go watch it. But there's this tax collector. It's actually Matthew, the guy who's writing this. He's sitting in a tax collector booth. And what you have to know is tax collectors were traitors to the Jews. Like this is a traitor who was collecting money for the Romans. He was basically uh, a thief. The Jews hated him. And Jesus walks up to this tax collector and he says, hey, follow me. He's basically saying, hey, traitor, the kingdom of God is for you. Now, if you're 
a religious leader of that day who's been studying the word of God, wouldn't you think that the kingdom of God is for you? And yet here's Jesus offering it to a tax collector. And then Jesus is at these parties. He's at these parties where there's, where there's these tax collectors and, and, and prostitutes or sex workers. That's their job. And Jesus is offering the kingdom of God to them. Isn't that way upside down? Especially what these Pharisees and Sadducees, these scribes would think. Like, like Jesus is having parties with tax collectors and traders and sex workers. What? What? This is the kingdom of God? This is who you're offering the kingdom of God to. I can tell you this morning, like, it makes me really happy that that's what Jesus did. Because he was realigning his kingdom what it, way it should be. Jesus, he's looking at them, and as he's eating with these people who are completely undeserving, he makes this statement in Matthew chapter 9. He says this. He says to these religious leaders, he says, go and figure out what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I want you to think about that. Especially if you're a, a kid who grew up in church and you're really about doing all the rules. Think about this. Jesus is saying, I deserve mercy, not sacrifice. Because let's be honest, to keep all those rules is a sacrifice. It's a big sacrifice. And Jesus is looking at him saying, go figure out what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then we flip over to Matthew chapter 12. I don't think it's 14. I think it's 12. I think I got that wrong. But they're walking through a field on a, on a Sabbath. Remember what we're not supposed to do on Sabbath? Work and carry things, right? And so they're walking through a field, and the disciples are just grabbing the heads off these wheat and whatever, and they're just eating the, they're just having a snack, which is technically working, right? And the religious leaders lose their mind. They're like, your, your disciples are working on the Sabbath by doing this. And Jesus is just like, what? I think you've missed the whole point of Sabbath. I think you've missed the entire point of Sabbath. And guess what he says to them? He says, you don't understand what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Like he's, he repeats himself to these religious leaders. You still haven't figured out what this means yet. Or else you wouldn't be freaking out because they're just having a little snack on Sunday. It's this whole idea of putting the rules above a relationship with God. It's all about this new kingdom that Jesus is making. So here's this new kingdom. And it's completely backwards and upside down. And in this new kingdom, it's not about keeping the rules. Because some of you, can I, can I say, some of you have broken the rules really bad. I've broken the rules really bad. Like Drew. And like that's humbling. It's humbling to stand up here as a pastor and think about all the times where I've broken a rule, where I've missed the mark, where I've sinned. And I'm the guy that gets to get up here and talk to you guys. I don't get up here ever 
from the place of, I have it all figured out, you guys. Follow me, because I got this down. Um, no, it's this, follow me as I follow Christ. That's, that's it. And I'm going to mess up sometimes. In fact, some of you guys who are in my D groups, you get to hear about some of those. And you know what these guys do? They bring me to the word. They, with relationship, they drew, what is the voice of the Lord for you in this area? And you know what? The Lord grows me. He changes me. He changes my mind. He changes my heart. This kingdom that Jesus is trying to establish, it's a kingdom that establishes itself in your heart first. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus wants your heart. He's not looking for your actions. He's looking for your heart. Well, Pastor Drew, didn't last week you preach that your actions would glorify God? Yes, I did. Absolutely. But this is a message of your heart. And that's what we'll see. Like, like when we look at the rest of this, which we won't get in today, when we look at anger, Jesus is saying like, you've heard it said, don't murder. That's one of the laws. Don't murder. How many think that's probably a good law? But Jesus says that's not even the issue. The issue is if you even hate somebody, you're guilty of murder. See, that's more religious than the Pharisees and the scribes. Like, that's deeper. He says, you've heard, don't commit adultery. That's probably a good thing, right? But he says, even if you look at someone and lust after them, you're guilty of adultery. Well, what? What is that? That's an issue of the heart. It's not just about the outside action. That's what Jesus, he called the Pharisees, he called them whitewashed tombs, right? You look really nice, but you have nothing but dead bodies inside you, which is nasty. What are we? Are we a people who just want to look like we have it all going on on the outside? Or are we going to be a people who are open and honest and vulnerable to the place where our hearts can be changed? Where are we? Where do we live? In Matthew chapter 22, if you're close, you can flip over there. Um, Verses 34 through 40, it says this. It says, but when the Pharisees heard how Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they, they were always trying to trick Jesus, and he was always one step ahead of them. They gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? So what's the great, greatest commandment in the Torah, in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments uh, depends all the law and the prophets. Like every command can be summed up in these. Love God with every stinking part of you and love your neighbor like you love yourself. That's, that's the entire thing. And that's, that's written like on your hearts. When you give your life to Christ, that's written on your heart. 
And that's why Ephesians says it's grace that we are saved, not because of works, so that no one can brag about it. So no one can say it was totally and completely in the worship team. Can you join me? In Matthew 26, and that's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land today. Um, this is Jesus. And as Jesus is, uh, he's having his last meal with his disciples. And how many know if you're having a last meal with someone, you want to make sure that you say some really important stuff. And what Jesus says in this last meal, listen to this, because I think it's going to sound really familiar to something we read in Jeremiah. This is what he says. Verse 27, he says, And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Like, what he's saying here is, this is my blood which is going to be shed and poured out for you. And it's a new covenant. And guess what it does? It forgives your sins. This is exactly what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah said there's a day coming when there will be a brand new covenant. And this covenant, the, the key thing will be the, the forgiveness of sins where he remember your sins or your iniquity no more. No more. Close your eyes for just a moment. I'm going to tell you this morning. You can try and you can try and you can try. And you can work and think I'm being such a good person. God will like me. But Jesus said, unless you're more righteous than the most religious people of his day, than the most religious people you know, it's not going to be good enough. Your works will never be good enough. You can never be good enough. And some of you felt that. You're like, man, I keep trying and trying. I'm never good enough. Some of you feel like you're not good enough for the people around you. Some of you feel like you're not good enough for that spouse or for that parent. Like, I can never be good enough. And when it translates to is this idea that you'll never be good enough for God. Like, how would He even care about me? And what Jesus is saying this morning is that His shed blood covers all wrongdoing. It covers all not good enough. It never mattered what you did or didn't do. It just matters what you do with Jesus. And this morning, can I tell you, if you say yes to Jesus, you're good enough. That when he died on that cross, what he did was he took all of your sin and all of your not good enough, your inability to keep the rules, and he took it on himself. Every time you missed the mark, he took it on himself at that cross, and it was punished on that cross. The payment was made on that cross. 
His blood was shed for your sin, for you're not good enough on that cross. And this morning, that there's newness of life and there's hope for you because Jesus didn't stay on that cross. He did not stay in that tomb. He rose from the dead. In the same way Jesus rose from the dead, today we can have new life, walking in that new covenant, that forgiveness of sin. (sighs) There's freedom in that. There's freedom in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. And this morning, Jesus isn't telling you that you have to keep the law. What He's telling you is you have to have a new heart. To love God with everything inside of you and love people around you. So I want you to take a moment and examine your heart. Do you love the Lord your God with everything inside of you? Do you love the people around you? You can say, well, yeah, I love God, but there's just a few people I just can't stand. I'll tell you, it says in the Word, how can you say you love God who you haven't seen if and then hate your brother who you have seen. It's, it's, it's a man who's created in the image of God. Just examine your heart just a moment longer. Vanessa West, could you... morning I want to take just a moment and give you an opportunity to pray if if you need to come to these altars and pray pray if you need someone to agree with you in prayer about something going on in your life maybe it has to do with what we talked about this morning maybe it has to do with this I keep trying to earn my way to God thing Maybe you, you need healing. Maybe there's something going on in your heart. Whatever it is, we want to take just a second longer and, and pray with you. So if you'll stand with me for just a moment, and let's just, just spend a moment in worship and prayer before we go today.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church. 